0: there is an objectivity to all art. And one of the common misconceptions is that everything is subjective and that, you know, the things that an artist does in his craft doesn't really matter because, you know, I may experience it radically different than you. And I mean, that's, it's such an overstatement that it's, it's a falsehood Um, when, when a real, like a a talented painter or musician or someone who makes movies, they know uh, there are certain objective things you do to facilitate certain experiences.
1: Jay's gonna bring me back one to attack Whoa,
0: oh, oh. I want to come back to the dice Whoa, oh,
1: oh, oh. I think I need some good advice I need a roleplay rescue Oh yeah I need a roleplay rescue Oh yeah Oh yeah Hello Rescuers, my name is Che Webster and you're listening to Roleplay Rescue, the podcast about rediscovering our passion for tabletop roleplaying games. This episode is the third extended conversation I've shared with some gaming friends over recent weeks. The conversation was unplanned and is very much just that, hopping online to talk and discuss some key ideas with my guest who is Daniel James. He's the originator of the term Otherworld Immersion and a published author, game designer, philosopher, podcaster, and the man behind the Eudemonic Geekery blog. In this episode, Daniel wanted to talk to me about his struggles with writing his own role-playing game, Primeval Fantasy, and was, well, surprising enough to me, seeking some advice. Big thanks in advance to Daniel for coming back to talk to me and allowing me to record it. And as ever, it proved an illuminating and fascinating conversation. This is Season 12, Episode 21. War of Art with Daniel Jones. Well, hello, Daniel. Welcome back, and it's good to see you. How are things? Pretty good. Uh,
0: I'm enjoying the summer, enjoying walking and sunlight. It's all good for me because you know uh, the old me was very nocturnal, very sunlight deficient, and so forth. <laughs> so I pushed myself out of it and. Uh, really making myself enjoy nature it's good for me
1: yeah this could see you uh, like looking healthier as well and, and sounding like a little bit more coherent so um, yeah it's, it's all good um yeah. so we just decided to hop online and have a chat really so what did you want to talk about um well
0: lots of things um i i've you know interacted with many um game designers especially the from scratch game designers and there is a a perpetual uh demon uh always hiding in the woods of never finishing never completing it never letting it go Mm -hmm. um i mean the perpetual tweaking the perpetual uh haunting notion of this isn't right. This isn't as good as it's supposed to be and so forth. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's a real trap because, so, I mean, obviously I've been, uh, role playing for decades and I played, we played intensely, um, for years, uh, with a version of my system, which is embarrassingly bad. right? Right. But we had a great time and, you know, even back then I was thinking, Oh, I should, you know, type this up and publish it. Um, back when there was no hope of anyone ever seeing it, um, before Mm -hmm. the internet dominance. Um, but I mean, the truth and the trap, the trap is (laughs) this terrible truth is the longer you work on it, the better it can potentially get. Mm -hmm. Um, and that truth is the trap that keeps us locked in and never letting it go. And I mean, that's true of authors. It's true of, painters, whatever. Yeah. So, uh, I mean the, you know, the, the war is real. Um, that's the war of art, um, and resistance, uh, is always there, but it's never, it's never just this brute force. Oh, it's not, um, you know, keep going because you you never know. It's, it, it is a legitimate, oh, you know, over the past six months I did fix X, Y, and Z. Mm Mm-hmm. But then the trap is that you never let it go. You never publish it. You know I, what answer is? <laughs> what answer is there to that problem? Um, and I mean, I've heard all the answers. I can intellectually say, "Oh yeah, that is the right answer," but then existentially, I keep feeling trapped um, in the cycle of not finishing. So when you hear that I know you've heard that dozens of times for people what's your like best considered advice on that
1: I think it's the advice that um Seth Godin would give uh, he's uh you know kind of cultural writer and one of his best things is 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 ship it um it is is sort of a deadline um and work to that get it out there I think like his advice with I mean this is for like writers with you know a book to write or whatever but his advice is to write the damn book and then send it to like 10 people that you know and say right I've done this um here it is and if you like it pass it on and it's like to him it's like get a version of that thing out there um and and get it into people's hands and and then you get feedback right and the big feedback that you want is do people like it enough to tell their mates? you know and and good ideas spread is kind of like his theory on this so you know like you want to put it out there so um obviously you want you're also thinking about a product and everything else but so there's always that consideration but um i I don't know i think it's like get it into the shape where you can give it to someone and say right there you go now go go do something with that um and you know and then from there, you will get the feedback. And then I think you can enter into a different loop because you, just your alpha, if you like, is out there. Now you can go to an improvement loop if you want. Um, it's never going to be perfect, right? I mean, you know, th- that, that perfection yeah. for me is a verb, right? It's I, too perfect. I am working towards that, but I recognize that it doesn't exist um so what i i mean i'm i'm very brutal with myself over this sort of stuff i tend to just what i do is very raw um and you know but the key is i want it out there i try and get it to a point where i'm at least i at least don't hate it right now um <laughs> completely you know like i can see all its flaws and i know that when i go and read it again I'll, or whatever i look it through it again i'll find things but um i feel like What's it for, right? What's the what's it for? Um, and I kind of feel like with a game, it's to be played. And I, if it was a game, I'd want to put it into people's hands, you know, and say, "Go play with that. See, see, see what you make of that." Um, and then you can go into an iterative process, which is slightly different to the one that you're in in the lonely work. <laughs> you know, it becomes now a response to the market. It becomes a response to the people who are using it. It will say the fans will, you know, people who like it, they will tell you why they like it and and they will be kind of those things and then you'll start to get the from them you'll start to get the feedback of like it would be better if or i didn't quite get that what's that about you know and all those kinds of bits of um, feedback that then allow you to keep working and polishing and improving it um so yeah that's my that's my kind of like two penneth, i suppose which is to take the thing shape it to a point where you could risk giving it to sort of you know Seth Govin says like 10 people you trust you know and i know you have 10 people you trust out there yeah so you know i'm hungry to see to see you put out a, a version um you know like what you've kind of got right now and and i would point out that as you said like all those years ago when your game was embarrassingly bad you still had a really good time with it and i'm kind of curious as to like you know this game that is like maybe it's 80 percent or 90 percent even of what you want i would suggest it's better to put that out there in the world than to do the um, i think you've mentioned to me before the j uh the george R R martin thing of never releasing the last bit so yeah i'd say ship it i'd say set yourself a deadline set yourself a date and say yourself right on this date i'm going to send it to 10 people <laughs> you know or something like that and just boop, there you go yeah yeah. I don't know what you make it out but Yeah, I mean that
0: that's all true. It it I think primarily for me and for so many other uh designers out there it is uh it's so hard to let go of. Like my mm. first novel um I just had to um tear it tear it out of my own hands and hit publish and yep. send it off. I uh, and and to this day, I can't go back and read it. I I dare not go back and read it. <laughs> yeah. That that's what it is. There are parts of it that I remember that I love, but mm. if I start reading it, I would just throw it across the room. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's an existential problem. It's not an intellectual yeah. one. Yeah.
1: No, absolutely. And I'm the same. Like if I go back, I can go back and listen to old episodes of this show. And like, in fact, the episodes I just did probably two or three back by now like you know they're horrendous and things I've written you know every time I read a blog post whatever it is it's always horrible really a bit down the line <laughs> and that's because we've moved on you know we creatively yeah. moved on um yeah. and in terms of our skill we've probably moved on um but also the way in which we express ourselves, you know is constantly changing and evolving so I don't know I think if this thing is worth you know worth anything to you it it surely its value is in what it will do for other people, but lifting people out of what I know you see as a sort of a series of illusions about how gaming must be. (laughs) Uh, And, and, and a bunch of possibilities that, I mean, I know that until I met you, I had not really, I had not considered some possibilities, you know? And -hmm. I think that, I mean, that's what you've got to offer the world. And, um, in the end you know the great enemy it's not piracy it's obscurity i think yeah i think yeah I, if it's out there and people take it and muck about with it and, and screw around with it that's well it's out there if it's a good idea it'll spread and it will it'll you know have its thing you know i don't know i really don't know i mean what your goals are with it in the long term but my sense is that you want to free people's gaming you want to loosen up yeah. a certain bunch of people gaming.
0: And and I can uh, honestly say that I have no illusions about uh, it making any money. I, I have no I mean, I don't I don't care about that at all. I mean, everyone wants a million dollars, but I have no <laughs> illusions that I'm going to ever break into the black. Mm. I'm always going to be in the red financially and the time sink. Um, but, but I'm okay with that. I, I just, I really want it out there.
1: Um, it's the art, isn't it? In the end, that's, that's, that's the art.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You've been very encouraging for me to keep going. I, I really appreciate that. Um, and I, I recently found, um, a podcast of uh, a couple of guys who are like very much on the same page as you and I with mm-hmm. uh, the goal of immersive role playing uh and the importance of methods so i mean when i find other people who want the same you know um meal that i want that's encouraging because i'm like oh well my recipes may be worth a damn to someone
1: yeah absolutely yeah. and and I, you know i said i'm quite hungry for it really you know, I'm, I'm, I'm currently mastering a particular like out there in the market game and mucking about my players who've had a bit of a taste of other world immersive gaming. And then some of the guys are like a little bit twitchy about it, or maybe it's not entirely their taste. So I've tried and provide them, you know, with what they would want as much as, as I can. Um, but in the end, no, one's had the chance to play primeval fantasy, uh, other than you and a couple of friends. Uh, um, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and and more than that, I don't think anyone's had the opportunity to run it, other than maybe you and a couple of guys, you know. So, I think, yeah, I think it's time. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Oh uh, yeah,
0: yeah, it's it, way past time. Yeah. Uh, I'm and and it really is uh, overall unhealthy for me to keep trying to perfect it. Um, and I can sense when those times come. Like there are times over the past couple of years when. I would make um, serious changes and those serious changes really were valuable. Like uh, the distillation mm-hmm. of numbers down to usually single digit number mm-hmm. um, like that matters. And so that, when I look back on, I'm like, okay, that was worth waiting for. Cause that's mm-hmm. a big deal. Or um, I think, like I told you years ago that the, I had worked on my system for many years, stopped for almost a decade. Yeah. And then I had a dream where I fixed my combat mechanic. Yep. And it was a literal dream. There's no, this is not just a story I'm telling. Um. And, you know, that change was in melee. When you attack, you hit unless the other guy successfully defends. So combat just got 10 times faster.
1: Yep. And you know what's um, interesting is that since you told me that story, I've had countless i say countless i can more than ten people individual people have said to me over the last couple of years that they just wish so many games had the mechanic where you just hit, yeah, unless somebody does something about it because it makes sense to them that. You know, if I get a clobber, you you just hit. And I thought to myself, there's only one game system I know. I mean, I know that there are some really super light games out there. I know like uh, the Cairn game, for example, which is based off um, another system. It eludes my mind right now. That has doesn't have an attack roll. It just has like roll damage kind of thing going on. But what we're talking about is like a, a game which has detail and has like, you know, genuinely meaningful like moves and strikes and everything going on but and which like you said has this thing where it's on the defender <laughs> you know yeah um and as far as i know i've not seen that out there and you know of thousands of game systems i've read so yeah i you know it doesn't surprise me that you know the collective unconscious spoke to you through a dream let's put it that way if you want to yeah. be a bit jungian about it no it did yeah but but here's the thing Daniel, I know that I know that the the day you put it out there into the world that you know sometime very shortly afterwards you'll have another one of those great moments and great dreams, you know. Um <laughs> yeah. but perhaps the act of putting it out there will unlock the next bit. Um you know perhaps I think yeah. we think it's like to be afraid of uh, I get being afraid of letting you go out there in the world for a low number of different reasons, but um it doesn't have to be a f- a final thing I suppose. It's, you know you could depends how you release it I mean the other thing is like whether you want to make it sort of open um, or you know and put it out there for people to muck about with themselves anyway I think there are people who would be hungry to have a go and have a look at it you know and, um, and it, I mean after all surely system does matter <laughs> and, oh, and, God, I know, yeah. and I know that you don't when you say that and I say that we both mean more than rules mechanism we mean the system, you know. Right. Um, that the uh, total thing, the relationship between, you know, world and and methods and and rules. So yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Those three um elements you just listed, they when they work um in unison, the synergy of those three working in unison creates something really unique mm. uh and really rich. Um yeah. I mean, system, usually when people say system matters, they're just talking about the mechanics. Mm. Uh, and that's, uh, that's like, I think 20% of the equation. I think the majority is method and behind that is the world and behind that is mechanics, but, mm. but that's not to diminish the the effects of mechanics. Uh, I mean, no, I, my, yeah, my mechanics in my mind really matter to me. Um, like we talked about before with you know combat and i think i posed the question to you once like would you be content with a very abstract glossing over of what happens and i if i'm not mistaken your answer was no Hmm. that's certainly my answer like i want um my skill to really matter i want my armor to really matter um yep. i want circumstances and wounds especially to really hmm. matter um i want it to matter so- wh-
1: i yeah. want it to matter where that sword lands i want it to matter how hard it hits and i want to mat- i want it to matter with what level of skill i want to know yeah i want like you i want to know what the armor does uh, i want to know I also want to know, like, how off balance my character is. You know, I mean, like, I want there to be a sense of narrative here emerging from this every swing. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. it's what my friend Alan Wall- Walker calls uh, "bone crunch." Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, he wants to he wants <laughs> nice. to feel the bones crunch under his blade, kind of thing. You know, yeah. and I, I'm with that. I think, and I, yeah. and and some games deliver that to a pretty high degree. Um, usually at a price of, of of slow you know pace and um maybe lots of dice rolling and maybe table lookups and all sorts of things like that and I know that again you're conscious of all that and you you know you want to make that as easy and quick for the the, the GM as possible um and we you know you talked in the past about like the various tools that you have for that so um but I know you know it needs to it needs to breathe it's my view but and then yeah
0: yeah i want i want all that crunch to be you know baked in under the table so that mm-hmm. when you're playing you're down to simple dice rolls and simple um quick lookups mm. um so you know i don't like chart surfing at all i don't like uh crunch uh during gameplay it's antithetical to what I want, which is pull everyone into the moment, the real mm. moment, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean that that ties in with you know what we were discussing about the you know, there is an objectivity to all art, and one of the common misconceptions is that everything is subjective, and that you know the things that an artist uh does in his craft doesn't really matter because you know I may experience it radically different than you and uh, I mean that's it's such an overstatement that it's it's a falsehood. Um, mm. when when a real like a, a talented painter or musician or someone who makes movies, they know uh, there are certain objective things you do to facilitate certain experiences. And it's not. I mean, we are the subject. Like when I look at a painting, I'm the subject and I'm experiencing. Okay, so mm-hmm. uh, I mean, this, this it gets into a semantical mess. So yes, I'm the subject, and I'm being acted on by the art. Right, the right. art is doing something to me, with me, et cetera. But um, I mean, if when a, when a talented painter gets to work on a canvas uh, you don't just grab a crayon, right and you don't you don't grab a, a paintbrush that you, you use to paint your house. you have very specific tools and methods and uh, so forth. So like for every game designer, there are objective things that objectively matter, right And to rail against that is to, look at all art and say it's it's a coincidence that we're still looking at monet paintings what a wild coincidence that da vinci gets talked about you know um so for for role-playing games like those objective elements um will always affect us as the subject and there'll be some variety to it there'll be some variance um but it's not as strong as as gets touted
1: yeah, I mean, I've been reflecting recently as well, and one of the elements uh, I'm starting to learn more about, think more about, and more consciously like weave into my gaming is symbolism. For example, um, and you know, there are some reasonably universal symbols <laughs> um, in humanity's understanding, you know, and to have an awareness of that, and then to deliberately use those things to signal you know, it may not be very conscious to the player necessarily, but to like give them those, you know, those signals uh, is quite powerful. And again, it's if when done deliberately and, you know, without this, because the modernist has this sense, tendency to sort of think, well, you know, symbolism is just kind of like us painting, uh, you know, sort of in, imposing some kind of interpretation on, on, you know on a an object or an idea or a color or whatever it is that is symbolically represented but the reality is that the world around us you know we make meaning you know as human beings we make meaning about what's around us and actually there are some fairly universal patterns to those meanings right and and you if you know and understand some of that you can you can play with that and um I, I think that's just the same as it in, in say the the painted art or in fiction, you know, or in music as it is in a role-playing game. Cause I, I view role-playing as having uh, artistic um, capability. It's, you know, it's as much a vehicle for art as anything else. And in the same way that music can be kind of, kind of crassly, um, you know, manufactured. Yeah. or, music can be made by an artist uh, in a very deliberate fashion. You know, there are, there yeah. are a whole spectrum there, isn't there really? Um, yeah. You know, yes. an AI can make music, but it won't be the same as like, you know, I don't know, Sir Paul McCartney or something, you know, it, the human being brings something else and, and you're absolutely right. And I just think gaming has the same capability capacity.
0: Yeah, it does. Um, for, for, and And again, you know, if people, like we've discussed before, if it's like movie night and you're hanging out with your friends and you really don't give a damn how good the movie is mm. that you know that's fine. That's a thing. And then on the other end are the people who really love cinema. they mm. really love uh examining every facet of it. I have a friend who it has always been um. A, a movie aficionado. And I mean, he, you know, 20 years ago, he should have gotten into, um, you know, the critical world because he, you know, early on in his twenties, he is dissecting it and, and um, finding out why someone chose to do this lighting at this moment, et cetera. I mean, all that matters. So for role players, if you don't care, then, just stay out of the conversation, right? Yeah. If you if if you do care, then you can engage in all these facets.
1: Yeah. And and yeah. you know, I, I mentioned symbolism as something that I'm starting to paint into my games, if you'll use the the metaphor. But you know, it's the same with mechanism and it's the same with the specific choices you make about a world, and it's the same about the methods that you use. You know, I don't use um household wall brushes to paint money <laughs> kind right. of stuff, right. you know. Um yeah. But neither do I uh, do I do that, try and do that with crayons or something. You know, it's the wrong tool, isn't it? Um, yeah. And I know this is a point that you've made many, many times. Um, this subjectivism that uh, you kind of see around you, um, I mean, how does that most commonly kind of manifesting in the gaming circle, what do you hear most commonly then around this, this overstated subjectivism?
0: Um, it's a variation on... You know system doesn't matter um with the you know kind of uh, exaggerated stance of since everything is subjective anyway then rules and um you know every everything in in the role-playing system uh is more or less a waste of time and therefore you should go as system light as possible um and I, I see the lure. I understand what they're saying. Uh, I just think it's a mistaken conclusion for the gamers who care about the actual experience, not just hanging out with their friends. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's always part of it, of course. I mean, it's a social thing. And, and uh, I've always gamed with just friends. I've never gone to a convention. I've never hmm. gone to a gaming store and said, hey, let's role play. Uh, I've done that with miniature wargaming, but that's a different animal for me.
1: I I always feel as well about the sort of, there's an oversimplification of some of these ideas that, you know, I'm all for simple, but that simple isn't necessarily simplistic, uh, if I can make that distinction. Um, So like stripping things away that aren't necessary to the effect that you want, I'm all for that. Yeah, Um, You know, if there's something in the, game world that is like jarring with what I want and I think an example this is something you've talked about before is like the way in which the power level of magic is like just completely destroying the sense of what you want then you you prune that away um until you get what you want and that's fine but there comes a point where you know like if you just cut things away and you say well we can just we can just kind of ad lib all of this I think you end up with, uh, it, it's. I guess, the similar problem to the generally the postmodernist kind of um, effort is you end up with sort of nothing, you end up with chaos, you end up with a sort of amorphous nothingness, yeah. you know, that makes sense? Oh, yeah,
0: yeah, this is the problem with, I mean, most postmodern art deserves heavy air quotes around it, because most of it's just, it's garbage as art, because what it's trying to say, or the best of them are trying to say is um, there's no meaning. Everything should be torn down. There's deconstruction without reconstruction. Um, And that's why most of it's just garbage, right? Um, Who's the guy, uh, Gage, who went out on stage, ate an apple, walked off? And who am I (laughs) thinking of? Um, and, And they call that art. And uh, I mean that got popular for a host of reasons. None of them are good, um, and yeah, that that's why that approach, that utterly deconstructive uh, deconstruction of uh, system, mm-hmm. leaves you shrugging. Right? Yeah. Uh, it does not produce good games, mm-hmm. um, and I want simple, as you put it um, at the table, uh, for the purpose of keeping everyone's mind focused, but distillation of the heavy crunch into a simple form is different from just pick something and roll it. And if you, you know, throw a D6 and you get a six, yay, you win. Uh, that's boring. And that's, that's also counterproductive to what I want when I play. I want, um, I mean I believe in the power of emulating realism which uh is a huge can of huge can of worms <laughs> um but I mean we can see different levels of success on this right mm. so and it doesn't have to be all the way down to uh exacting details right yeah. so to say someone falls out of a 30 story uh, I'm sorry a 30 foot uh, tree and breaks bones, we don't have to look at the speed of gravity and, and do the multiplication and the force. You can, this is one of my old problems is that I did, I, I wasted years and years and A, you can't succeed and B, the effort is pretty much a waste of time. Uh, if we approximate uh, our, our intuitions about physics or cause and effect psychology, whatever we can shoot from the hip. And in a millisecond, come mm. up with a pretty good answer. And then that can be systematized.
1: And I think you said before as well, like one of the responsibilities that I think we both feel the GM has as well is to go educate yourself. Um, you know, if we are talking, cause we're for those who don't know, who might be listening, it's the case of we both have this view that we like our grounded realism it's grounded in our own experience as human beings so we don't want to play games where we're super heroic necessarily we want to play games where we're human beings and then that allows us to use our experience as a human being if I understand you correctly um, you know to make approximations and to make you know to essentially decide what the outcome is you know that because you've lived it and of course if there's some area of like human experience that you don't know much about then it's sort of on you as the GM to go educate yourself um and of course what would be great within the design is providing people with those sorts of benchmarks and and general bits of information they need to be able to do that but also the encouragement always to you know, want to know more about that you know go sort it you've got the whole internet at your fingers goodness yeah
0: language. yeah you can get <laughs> you can get answers within 60 seconds Mm. uh and why aren't you doing it if if it matters why aren't you doing it um like I just recently learned that a a brown bear can run 35 miles an hour wow and I had no idea so they outrun the fastest human in the best circumstances so that bear (laughs) catches you sorry Mm (laughs)
1: yeah yeah and those things are important I think that. Um, and it can be surprising as well you know like um, i guess one of the problems as well that we face is that game you know the gamers who we've had uh our whole lives now i mean i know i'm in my 50s and i my whole life is is colored by cinematic reality and it's progressively got more and more ridiculous as the years have rolled by i remember in the 70s and 80s watching films and tv shows that had some grain of reality to them um Mm -hmm. but you know by the end of the 1980s and into the 90s that largely evaporated and now you know and and it's fun and it looks cool on screen and all of that um but when it comes to, you know, this grounded fantasy that I'd really love to play in, we have to let all of that go, I think. And we have to sort of say, I want to experience something that's that's believable, um, because without that, you know, that sense of it, it being grounded and real, I, I ultimately can't quite enter into it. I can't be immersed in it. I can't care enough. <laughs> you know about the character um for example or about the situation or at least that's how i feel anyway
0: yeah oh absolutely we see this in in movies so like when we watch any movie when something happens and a character does something that is so absurd mm. for the for the purpose of generating some drama which is what which is why those writers did that But that's garbage writing Hmm. that is um, so jarring that I'm disconnected. And so like I'm watching a horror movie and and someone hears, you know, a banging from this other room in the house they just entered. And they think, oh, I'll go look for no reason. Right. (laughs) Uh, When when they would have run. Right. And at that moment, I'm like, "Okay, they deserve to die. I'm done.
1: Yeah. Right. so uh, my wife yeah. and I—we're always screaming at the TV. She loves horror films, right? And and right. Right. part of it's the kitsch of it all. If you know what I mean, sure, but sure. Part yeah. of the entertainment is the moment where we all both screen at the, you know, <laughs> stare at the screen, going, "Why do they do that? That's ridiculous! Right. What? Why? How stupid are you?" And of course, right. like you're right at that moment, uh, those characters—they're dead to us, you know. Yeah, that's before right. they're actually dead on right? The <laughs> yeah and and
0: when we role play just with my group that we're playing with the expectation is is that everyone everything that's happening is in a good faith cause and effect um relationship and so they know that if uh if an enemy is you know surrounded uh that enemy's not going to just casually swagger and keep attacking them Uh, Mm -hmm. Because it's dramatic or because, oh, we need some combat. Um, The expectation is, is that we're all trying uh, our best to make the world feel Mm three-dimensional. To have flesh and blood uh, characters. And, um, I mean, even psychologically, things uh, in our world, like going into a, a cave that... Um, and this is where the primeval fantasy part Mm. of it uh, really matters to us. Like people don't do that because that's the realm of true darkness. That's the realm of evil. That's the realm of monsters. Even if we're talking about, you know, a 50 foot crawl, that there's something in there and that Mm. everyone reacts in that way or in our world with, magic any manifestation of the supernatural gets a huge reaction from people it's the opposite of dnd where you're just flipping a switch and this thing happens and it doesn't matter
1: yeah and and in, 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 you know in actual our real life experience as well when we all know actually primarily well uh, it, i don't know i know primarily how darkness feels right so one experience is that and when i spent time in caves like real mm-hmm. caves in the dark I've also spent time in, you know, underground. One of my favorite memories is my wife, Deb, went to, uh, we went to Edinburgh and uh, she had a visit down to, so there's some catacombs underneath Edinburgh and uh, up in Scotland. And one of the things is where you took a, it's supposed to be this sort of haunt, it's kind of like a haunted tour thing is the theme of it. But they basically took them into some dungeons, you know, like actually, you know, all classic under the castle kind of dungeons. And then they turned the lights off. And mm-hmm. I've had this experience that she's very vividly related is that there being a presence in the dark and not just the people, a few people that are down there, but a genuine sense of presence so much that caused her direct fear and she wanted to get out and she couldn't, she couldn't stop herself. Just needed to get out. I need to get out now. you know, Right. And It's utterly irrational, you know, mm-hmm. and she knows that, but, um, and you know, she, She's a big fan of horror and she's a big fan of like the supernatural and generally. But the reason for it is because she knows that somewhere deep in us, we, we, you know, that there is something more, you know, that to our experience that she wants to meet it. She wants to understand it. And so, you know, we share this interest. So I know that when I go into a completely dark place, it's scary for reasons that aren't quite explainable, you know, but they are primarily deeply rooted in our, you know, in our psyche. And to me, it's like, if in a role-playing game, we go into that dark, dungeony cavey place, you know, the level of blasé that we bring to that in our typical yeah. d d game, to me, immediately just disconnects, you know? I, I kind of, I, I love to imagine the situation, and I love to then start feeling what I have felt in a dark cave or underneath a catacomb or in the dungeon of a castle, which is a sense of of disconnection from the living world, you know? And, and again, coming back to symbolism, you know, that the underworld is the place of the dead, right? The underworld is the place of the lost and of chaos and of the monster. Um, mm-hmm. and, and yet we treat it so casually, yeah. <laughs> you know, in so much of our gaming.
0: Yeah, this is why, like, part of the method, like, if you're trying to achieve this particular feeling in your game, you have to have, like an agreement from everyone that when they encounter, uh, X, Y, and Z, that they're going to stop being post enlightenment people. Mm. You're going to go back to the psychology of 50,000 years ago where spirits really are everywhere. Mm. And when the group, this is the cool thing. When the group, uh, agrees and participates, they generate that experience yeah. They generate, uh, some level of fear and tension, uh, the opposite of, you know, miniature wargaming again, that's mm. the chimera. And so you have to have, you can't just have, you know, for example, my system with these rules where the NPCs are going to act like that. If the players don't, there's no point mm. they're, they're they are at that point outsiders yeah. uh stepping into a world where they don't belong it's like stepping on the holodeck uh where all the people are acting like you know whatever you've recreated but then you're still you know 24th century star trek people yeah um it doesn't work uh, that's that's counter immersion right
1: yeah yeah okay conscious of time um have you got some answers from the chat
0: um <laughs> Well, hell uh I don't think there is uh, a question and answer as much as there is just get off my ass and do it. It's an existential thing so yeah. uh I that so I should say that is helpful yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, because uh, I really do need to just get it out,
1: yeah I've yeah. got um a, a number of small books that um you mentioned the War of art, right so oh yeah um Stephen Pressfield has written a number of small little books now one of the ones I love the most is uh, put your ass where your heart wants to be
0: yeah I got I've gotten all of his books yeah. actually all that, of all that, of his uh writing yeah. on writing books yeah
1: yeah yeah and I I like that little book um yeah it it yeah it's it it's a good kick up the ass frankly so yeah um but i I get entirely where you're at i get that um you know i don't have a project anywhere near as grand in scope you know but i I utterly get it but i do feel like yeah you just have to ultimately you know hanging out there uh, i think and um we are all cheering i know i'm pretty sure we'll get some if i put this out i'm pretty sure we'll get some calls of people going yeah you know know, get on with it yeah just get (laughs) it done please um you know i'm in my 50s i'd like to like see it before i die yeah Uh, (laughs) i would
0: like to get on with my life because really it it really is restrictive like i can't get back to writing fantasy until i get this out of my life or at least get this iteration out yeah and then i'll probably tweak it uh compulsively for the rest of my life Yeah, yeah but um It's it's not good to be in this stage where like where George Martin is uh, never met him. Never. I don't I I don't think I've seen a video with him in 10 years, but I can I can bet that that man is unhappy Yeah. because he's got this thing that is tethered to him that he can't let go of. And that is a miserable place to be in. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, in some ways as well like talking about game designers. Um I always think like one of the ones I admire is Mark Miller who created the Traveler game, uh Traveler mm-hmm. role playing system. But what Mark over the years Mark has kind of iterated and iterated and iterated and the most recent iteration of his Traveler game is basically a big hot mess. Um yeah. of it's it's really hard to like get your head around and play with. Now people who have actually decoded the thing he put out there and played with it said it's great. Um, but it's all it, become this big hot mess where you can't really leave it alone. But at least one thing I'll give him credit for is that he put it out there, you know, and, and the first version of that game had a huge impact on on the gaming community. And then the, the subsequent you know versions have had less and less and less impact. Um, and I think the, the reason for that is because the initial ideas that he put out there into the world around science fiction, role-playing gaming, but also around like allowing gms to create their own settings with it and like have a series of tools and different lots and lots of different tools really in that in that kit that was the true the true thing he had to offer and i think you're in a similar sort of place you've got this great vision and, and, a, and i suspect a great bucket of tools that you put out there in the world and they will have a huge impact you know and um they will come a point, you know, I guess you will always iterate. And it's so easy, isn't it? We live in a digital age, you can just update the yeah. PDF. Um, but uh I, I do genuinely think that the 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 first bit that you put out will contain so much for people to digest that it will it will take them a, a while and it will it will it will splash. Um not loud and maybe not big, but it will splash and make a difference to a lot of people. So I would uh I'd love to see it
0: thanks but I, I i hope that that's true even for a handful um mm. that uh that it will be good for you know some people that's yeah. that's what i want that's my you know yeah. it's not a lofty goal <laughs> yeah.
1: i i look forward to the point where i feel confident enough as a gm to take the game of that style of play to a public arena really um perhaps with some players who some players who get what we do and know what to do in demo you know and and say come and sit at this table and then at the end of the time tell me you didn't have a good time you didn't have a different kind of experience yeah a different
0: kind that's what Um, matters
1: that's it and then say you know if if that's not your if that's not your cup of tea that's great yeah but please taste and see um you know and um yeah i'd I'd, you know i'm gonna be your champion for (laughs) you know for this one so
0: well, I appreciate
1: it. That's good. Yeah. I appreciate you coming on and chatting again as well. It's nice.
0: Yeah, it's very good for me. Yeah, it's very good for me to get, you know, just talk about this mundane, cyclical mm. uh, boulder that I keep pushing.
1: Yes, yeah, Sisyphus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, thank you so much. I, I, You know, thanks for keeping this involved. I, you know, I, and just having this conversation for me reminds me of, oh, yeah, I'm sort of compromising on some stuff for my game group. And that's all right. I'm happy with that at this point. because I'd still rather hang out with my mates and, and play something, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, um, you know, it, we'll get there. Um, I, I feel like gently encouraging people out it, you know, into the wilderness, out to the fringe, out to the edge, away from the core, which has become, to my mind, you know, I was going to leave this thought with you. I think that the core of the hobby has become quite tyrannical think it's become quite like so set and so like entrenched uh that actually it's it's it it's quite crushing of creativity.
0: Oh it totally is it is it is very much a a Britney Spears environment. You have this candy and these platitudes and it's shallow and uh I mean I I I despise a good 50% of what I hear about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to get a bunch of hate mail from that, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: you know, as I keep saying to to people all the time is I, I'm making stuff for people like us. And um,
0: yeah, and yeah, that's, that's right.
1: And that's fine. And if you're not people like us, that's OK. Just allow yeah. us just allow us to be people like us on our own quietly. And don't right. Don't nuke us from orbit. Um, right. You know, live and let live as it were. Yeah. Yeah anyway daniel thanks very very much for your time i'm gonna like stop the recording now all right thanks big thank you once again to daniel for coming and sharing his thoughts i'll stink links to his stuff in the show notes if you have any questions or comments i'd love to hear from you so Call in via speakpipe.com slash roleplay rescue and leave a message. Thanks once again to all the roleplay rescue patrons who support the show through patreon.com slash RPG rescue. And thank you also to John from Tale of the Manticore for the roleplay rescue theme music. Most of all, thank you to you for showing up and listening. And if you got this far, well, I hope you found it useful. My name is Che Webster. This is Roleplay Rescue. I'll see you again next time. Game on.